Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, I want to thank you again for being here today, whether you're joining us online or you're here in person for Celebration Sunday, man. Those families dedicating their children, those people taking their next right steps in baptism, uh, that's what it's all about. And really, that's what this series that we're in that we kicked off last week is about blueprint. We've been reminding ourselves of why we exist as a church. We're kind of refocusing ourselves on what the purpose and the mission and the vision of the church is. And, and the great thing about this place, it's just average, everyday, loving people who are just trying to make the message of Jesus easy and accessible to everybody. We're trying to help people to not only find, but to follow Christ. That's, what's dri that's what drives us as a church. That's what's driven us for the past 10 years. And if you think about churches, all churches have a blueprint, right? All churches are driven by something. And the good news is the scripture, the Lord gives us some guidance for the church and how the church should operate. I want to read this morning just to start off 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 from the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to the Corinthian church. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. He's talking about the church. Let's live in harmony together. There should be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind in thought and purpose. So it's always good to remind ourselves of what our blueprint is so we're united in thought and purpose. But every single church in the world is driven by something. Now, some churches are driven by tradition, right? They've always done it that way. They've got a rich heritage and, you know, we're going to always do things this way because that's the way we've always done them. Some churches are driven by money. Now, young churches aren't driven by money because they don't have any money, right? But the older a church gets, 50 years old, 75 years old, 100 years old, they're driven by money. And the question they always ask is, how much is this going to cost? And that's the wrong question, right? The church should say, who is this going to reach? How are we going to help somebody to find and follow Christ? Some churches are driven by programs, right? It's the church calendar is full. There's something every night of the week. Let's keep the people busy. That's a church that's driven by the calendar or events. And they measure spiritual growth by how many things you attended, right? How many times have you been to church on Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday night? And how many activities did you do during the week. Sometimes churches are driven by the building. You know, the building itself kind of takes over, maintaining the building and beautifying the building and caring for the building. You know, my prayer and my hope and my dream is, is what has driven us for the past 10 years will be the same thing that drives us 10 years from now or 50 years from now or 100 years from now. And that is to make the message of Jesus easy and accessible to everyone to help people to find and follow Christ. That's what it should be about. That's the mission and the vision of the church. And listen, we're not that smart. We didn't come up with that. Jesus did. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. What's Jesus say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. We witness that today. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So from day one, as a church, we've been trying to figure out how to do that. How to best leverage that. And if you were with us last week, we had the, uh, an illustration of a ladder out here on stage. But the ladder had no rungs. It only had the top rung. And quite honestly, that's how most churches look to someone who doesn't know Christ, hasn't been to church, or has been disconnected from the church. They walk in and they see just that top rung on the ladder with no rungs in between because everybody inside the church, the insiders, already know everything about the church. They're on the top rung. They know when to stand and when to sit and when to kneel and when to pray and what the doxology is and the benediction and the supplication. They know how to check the kids in. They know where to sit. They know where to park. But the outsider comes in and they see that and they're like, wow, I'd like to be connected in my spiritual journey the way you are. I'd love to know Christ the way you you do. I'd love to be able to pray the way that you do, but aren't there any steps for me? And truthfully, in most churches in America, there's no baby steps for people on the spiritual journey, regardless of where they're at on that spiritual journey. So we've tried for 10 years to put rungs back on the ladder because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. So we've been trying to put rungs on the ladder, and we talked about some ways to do that. And I put one of the rungs on backwards, one of the service. It didn't work really well. But, you know, we use a modern approach to church. We have an hour-long services. Everybody's got a time frame. Everybody's busy. Some people want an hour and 15 minutes. Somebody wants an hour and a half. Some, hey, 30 minutes is enough of you, you know, but we landed on an hour. We play a a modern rock style music. Why? That may not be my preference in music, but it reaches the masses. It sounds like what we hear on the radio. We don't use big fancy church words on Sunday because first of all, I'm not that smart. And second of all, I want people to know what I'm talking about. We let people, you know, go at their own pace. Those are ways we put rungs back on the ladder. Here's another way, learning number one. We can add a rung to the ladder by being generous. By being generous as a church, by giving everything away. You know, we give everything away on Sundays and during the year. You know, free coffee and and books and Bibles and things for our kids and and our t-shirts and, you know, the things we do all throughout the year. Why do we do that? Because we want the world to know we're generous. Because the biggest hang-up to the unchurched is what? The church just wants my money. Right? We would never ask someone who doesn't know Christ to support the ministry of our church. That's why we don't pass a plate on Sundays because it's such a big hang-up. Now, obviously, it costs money to do things, right? So those of us that know Christ, we are to be generous so that we can help those who don't know Christ to find and follow him. We can put a rung back on that ladder by not making people feel strange about what they do know or what they don't know about God. We always put the scripture on the side screens, on the, uh, on the stream, behind me. Why do we do that? Because people may not know where the books of the Bible are. And that puts everybody on the same page. Again, letting people go at their own pace as the Holy Spirit guides, leads, and directs them on the spiritual journey. You'll hear in a lot of churches, oh, I just want to go deep. You ever heard that? We need to go deeper on Sundays. I had a guy tell me that 
about the second year of the church. He said, Scott, we need to go deeper on Sundays. I said, you want deep? He said, yeah, I want deep. I said, all right, love your neighbor as yourself. He just had this puzzled look on his face. And we got into this conversation for, I don't know why, but for years and years and years, we've taught in the, ch- in the church that deep is Bible knowledge. Oh, I know everything about the Bible. That's deep. No, it's not. Deep is doing what Jesus said for us to do. Go home and love your wife the way that Christ loved the church. That's deep. Forgive one another that, like you've been forgiven. That's deep. So we let people go at their own pace on that spiritual journey. Uh, we can add a rung to the ladder by being focused. You know, we only focus on Sundays and groups. Everything we do outside of Sundays, we do in the context of groups. And Matt runs our groups here at the church. We don't, we don't have a school, right? We don't have a bookstore. We don't have all these other things, a, a daycare. Well, why don't we do that? Because we can only do a few things well. And I appreciate the drive that a lot of churches have. I want to do this, and we want to do that, and we want to do this, and we want to do that. That's great, but most of us can only do a few things well. And so what we do is we try to focus on those two things, do them well, and then financially support other organizations that are doing the things that we love to do, like the food pantry and the Women's Resource Center and the Pregnancy Resource Center. Because they're experts at that. Why would we try to duplicate it? But that's the way we've put a rung back on the ladder. And so over the years, what we've done is we've put those rungs back on the ladder. And you know what? People have come. We went from 23 people in a Hampton Inn in 2010, kind of laying the groundwork for this church to before this lovely thing called COVID hit, we were averaging over 2,000 people on a Sunday. And you know what? We could take credit for that, but it has absolutely nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Christ, over the past 10 years, has built this church here. He's built this church in other places in our community, throughout the nation, throughout the world. It has nothing to do with us. We are just lucky enough to join Christ as he reaches people that need to know him and need to follow him. And you know what? Nothing has ever stopped the growth of God's kingdom. Scandal within the church hadn't stopped it, hadn't stopped the growth of the church. Persecution hasn't stopped it. Theological controversy hasn't stopped it. Poor church leadership hadn't stopped it. Really bad Christian films hasn't stopped it. Right? Nothing has stopped the expansion of God's kingdom. Why? Because we're not doing it. Jesus is building his church. We just have to do what he says to do as he builds that church. So nothing can stop it and nothing will stop the expansion of God's kingdom on this planet. And if you, if you study church history, there's some pretty dark days in church history. We've been looking at Acts chapter 15 last week and how they were having that argument that, you know, before the Gentiles could become a Christian, they first had to be Jewish and they finally figured out, no, we're just getting in the way of God, you know, when people are trying to connect with him. Well, if you go back to Acts chapter four and five, in the early days of the church, you can read about Peter and John. 
And they're out preaching about Jesus and they're talking about the resurrection. And of course, those religious leaders get upset again because they're tired of hearing about Jesus and it's a threat to their way of life. And so they have them arrested. They have Peter and John arrested and they're trying to, they're trying to figure out the fate of Peter and John. All these religious leaders are the holier than thou's. And, and one of their own stands up and he says, listen, guys, if God's not in this thing, this thing's not going to grow. This thing's going to die out. But then they said this in Acts 5, 39. I love this. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. And what did Peter and John do? They kept telling people about Jesus. They kept following Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. They wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. And early historians estimate that like in Jerusalem alone, over 100,000 people came to Christ in that first couple of years. So we talk a lot about the church. And, you know, there's the local church. There's a universal church. What, what really is the church? And it's learning number two. The church is a movement. It's a movement. It, it, it's not a country club. It's not a classroom for you know, religious studies or religious education. It's not a building. It's not the physical shell. We know we're the body of Christ. It's not a group of insiders who have, you know, secret, secrets between each other and they know things that other people don't know. It's simply a movement of Christ followers who are carrying the message of God's love and God's hope and God's restoration, and God's plan of salvation to a world that desperately needs it. That's what the church is. It's a movement of Christ followers spreading the word about Christ. And do you know what the biggest barrier is going to be or is to the church movement? It's us. It's us. We're the biggest barrier because our tendency as human beings... And I'm talking about the universal church, not this church or that church, the universal church. But our biggest tendency as human beings is to stop. Don't change. Don't, you know, don't rock the boat. Let's just keep things right. Let's just freeze time right here. You ever wanted to freeze time and just hold what you had? Oh, man, life is great now. Kids are sleeping at night. They're not crying. We're making good money. The bills are all... Let's just freeze time right here. Let's just stay right here. Let's not change. Things are good. Things are okay. Things are happy. We just have this tendency to do that in life. Let's just hold this moment. But as we know, we can't do that. Life's going to keep moving whether we want it to or not. Things are going to continue to change. And you read the scripture, we're not the only ones that have ever wanted to just kind of hold on to a moment. There's a story in Matthew 17 where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the top of a mountain. The Mount of Transfiguration is what it's called. But he takes them up to the top of this mountain, and he is literally transformed right before their eyes. The Bible says Jesus' face shone as bright as the sun. His clothes were as white as light. And it was an image to that inner circle of disciples that Jesus truly is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. And, and if you've read the story, you're familiar with the story, Elijah and Moses were there too. The disciples saw Jesus and Elijah and Moses, and they are freaking out. 
I mean, it's the most amazing thing they've ever seen. I picture that's how our first entrance to heaven is going to be. It's going to be that magnificent. They were on a spiritual high when they saw Jesus transformed. And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to stop right there. Let's just hold this moment. Peter goes up to Jesus and he says, hey, I got an idea. I got a great idea. Why don't I build three shelters? I'll build one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, and we will just stay right here in this spiritual bliss. We don't want to go back to regular living. Let's just stay right here on this mountaintop. That's our tendency. That's why we're the biggest threat to the movement of God in this world. And you know what Jesus did? He marched them right back down that mountain. He said, it show's over, boys. We're going back to work. And they march back down the mountain and they start ministering to other people and healing people and teaching people as if Jesus was telling them, look, guys, if there's one person in this world that doesn't know that God loves them and that I love them, we've got work to do. That should be the attitude of the church. There's a lot of lost people in this world. And the same thing happened when Jesus was teaching in Galilee. And, you know, the people were like so amazed at his teaching. They didn't want it to stop. They didn't want Jesus to leave. And and here's what happened. Luke chapter 4, verse 42 through 43. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. Jesus basically says, no, I can't stay. There is still work to be done. We can't just stop here. We can't just freeze time. And I'll be honest why I brought all this up. There's been multiple times in the life of this church that we've just wanted to freeze time. We've just wanted to stop. And just, let's, just, let's just hang right here where we're at. This is good enough. Especially when we're in the middle school. Man, we don't realize how good we had it in the middle school. Somebody else paid for the building, took care of the building, replaced the roof on the building, worried about the parking lot in the building. We had plenty of parking in the middle school. We had a good-sized crowd. It was great. Everybody was comfortable. There were so many times we were just like, let's just hold it right here. But we didn't. We kept getting out of our comfort zone together as a church to continue to tell people about how Christ can change their lives. And if, you, and if you've been with us for a long time, you've probably asked that question to yourself, my gosh, when is enough enough? Is God going to continue to ask me to serve? Is God going to continue to ask me to give and be generous? Is God going to continue to want me to pray for my neighbor and invite my friends to church and, and to be a good witness in the world? And that's a fair question. The simple answer is yes, he is. Why is that? Why can't we just stop? And freeze time. Because, folks, the church is the hope of the world. To single moms, to single dads, the church is the hope of the world. For people who have lost loved ones, the church is the hope of the world. To marriages that are hanging on by a thread, the church is the hope of the world. To people who are sick, to people who are anxious and depressed, who have severe addictions, the church, the body of Christ, is the hope of the world. And when the church operates as the Bible describes it, something pretty amazing happens. People find and follow Christ. 
And there's so many cool ways the, the scripture describes the church, but one of my favorite is it describes the church as a bride. Some of you are familiar with this. Multiple times in scripture, there's this image painted that the church is the bride of Christ. And so us, our relationship with Christ as a church, not as individuals, but as a church, is compared to that of a groom and his bride. A beautiful picture. Listen to Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And listen, as, as flawed as the church is, as many mistakes as the church makes, Christ sees the church when it functions as outlined like a groom sees his bride. Perfect, flawless, beautiful, loving. Christ is committed to the church. Christ loves the church. Christ, we read earlier, died for the church. So think about that. With that picture painted in your mind, what should our response be? And I think it's got to be learning number three. We should commit wholeheartedly to Christ in the church and what he's about. You know, the power of following Christ and I know not everybody's there yet. I know a lot of you still have a lot of questions. You're wondering about the spiritual journey and where you stand. I get that. That's fine. Keep asking questions. But the power of following Christ is not just the fact that we're forgiven for our sins and we get eternal life. That's great. That's amazing. But we also get a purpose for living today. And following Christ, being a Christian, Christianity is intended to give us a whole new community to do life with. That's what the church is. It's a whole new community for us of fellow believers. And if you think about the world we live in, crazy, crazy world, broken world, we're divided all the time. If you figure this out, and if it's not one thing, we'll change it and we'll find something else to be divided about. But look at history. We've been divided by race, been divided by gender. We've been divided by politics. Anybody ever get divided by politics, right? We get divided by class, by, you know, finances, the rich versus poor. The, the world's always going to be divided. People are always going to be separated. But when people come to know Christ, they're no longer separated from God. And they become one of God's children. They become a member of God's very own family, the church the body of Christ. And it's a whole new community where there isn't that division and separation because something unites us, and that's Jesus. Listen to how it's said in Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 20. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. And I've seen it so many times where people accept Christ, but they never connect with Christ's body. They never are brought into God's family. They're, they don't connect. You know, they don't get involved. They don't, you know, we got to have some intentionality to connect. 
right? Whether it's a group or a ministry or something you do in the community or, or something you do in your home, a, a Bible study, whatever it is, on Sunday mornings you connect, we got to connect. And then what happens is those people that never connect into the body of Christ, they have something tragic happen in their life and they need that community of Christ followers around them, but they never connected. And then they want the church to try to microwave them some community. You can't do that. We got to be intentional. Yeah, we're saved. Yeah, our sins are forgiven, but we got to connect within the body of Christ because we're going to do life together. And that common connection that we all have those of us that have invited Christ in our life, it's Christ. It's Christ. One of the biggest Christian myths is that you can grow spiritually by yourself. You can't. We have to have the body of Christ to grow and develop. Anytime you've ever done anything and you've had people beside you kind of cheering you on, you do so much better. I love the community here. I love the community of Christ followers throughout this community. Other churches that I work with and deal with on a, on a regular basis and pastors that I talk to because it's what unites us. And you know what I've really been excited about is that God's used this community here for 10 years to reach people for him. We got to keep doing that. That is our charge to help people to find and to follow Christ. Now today you've witnessed something pretty amazing. And there's several families committing to raising their children in a Christ-centered home. And then you've witnessed people who have already invited Christ into their life. And they took that step of faith and were baptized to tell the world, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. That's one of the ordinances that Christ left us with was baptism. And so I'm going to pray, and then after we pray, I want to celebrate the second ordinance that Christ left us with, and that's communion, to take communion together as a church family. So if you're streaming with us, you can go ahead and grab some supplies at home, and we'll do that together. But let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the church. God, not this church in particular, but your body of believers everywhere, that no matter where we go, no matter where we move, no matter where we do business, there's a community there for us. And Lord, we know we have to take some steps to connect into that community. But thank you that we're not just saved, that we're not just forgiven, but that we have purpose today to help you as you search for the lost and to connect into your body, your family. Lord, I thank you for the, the past 10 years at this church and just what you've done. And Lord, how... It doesn't have anything to do with us. We can mess up, but you're the one that's building the church. And we're just thankful that you use us. Lord, thank you for these people who were so faithful to put rungs back on the ladder so that people can find you. Lord, we pray that you would continue to put people around us each day that need to know who you are. Lord, I know there's people watching today and people here today that are hurting. They're struggling because of something that's happened in their life, circumstances, situations. Lord, I'd ask that you would touch those folks and comfort them. Give them your peace. Let them know that you're not going to leave them. You're not going to run away from them. You're going to be right there by their side, walking through whatever it is they're going through. 
And Jesus, today we're going to celebrate what you did for us on the cross. That your body was broken and your blood was shed for us, for our sin. You stood in our place, took all of God's wrath on your shoulders. Jesus, we can't thank you enough for going through with it. But more importantly, God, for never giving up on us calling us through your Holy Spirit until we came to you. Lord, we pray for those that are close to us, that are in our family, our friends, that we work with, that don't know you, that you would not give up on them, that you would keep calling. Lord, we pray you'd wear them out until they come to you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you didn't get one of those communion cups, if you'll just raise your hand. And keep it up in the air, and one of our volunteers will bring you a communion cup. Just keep it up high. And any of you that need a gluten-free wafer, we have those available too. They'll bring you one of those. You can keep your hand up. But just keep it up. And when you get that communion cup, you can just take the cellophane off of that wafer, and then I'll give you an opportunity when we get to that portion. Over here, Dave, to my left. He's got it. Rich has got it. And then I'll give you an opportunity to open that cup when we get to that part. But communion, or maybe you called it the Lord's Supper. We called it the Lord's Supper in the church I grew up in. Or uh, maybe you called it the Eucharist. It's a time when those who follow Christ come together and we remember that sacrifice that Jesus made. It's so easy for us to kind of move on with our life and forget about what really occurred and what Jesus really went through for each of us. And some people will say, well, when should we do communion? You know, we did, we did communion at Easter. Look, there's no set schedule. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it twice a week. Some do it once a month. Some do it once a quarter. Jesus just said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so at Easter, we read from 1 Corinthians, and today I'd like to read from Matthew. Matthew chapter 26 verses 26 through 28. And the scripture says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And take the bread. You can go ahead and open that cup. And the scripture continues, and it says, And he took the cup of wine. And gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to him and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Take the cup. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you again. For your son. Jesus, thank you again for your sacrifice. 
that you stood in our place and that you vouch for us now. Lord, we do pray for those who need you in our community. Help us to be a community of believers that continues to move forward and to do what you've called us to do to make disciples of all nations, knowing that you building the church. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Well, I want to thank you again for being here on Celebration Sunday. Thanks for joining us online. I hope you have a terrific week and you'll come back and see us next Sunday. God bless you guys.